0: This morning, turn with me to Isaiah 46. We're going to be in Isaiah and chapter 46, and we're going to start at verse 6. Forgive me, 44. I said 46, it was 44. And verse 6. It's been one of those mornings. (laughs) Isaiah 44 and verse 6, and we're going to go to 8 this morning. It was a joy to have my dad uh, with you all last week, and um, I uh, was able to listen to that sermon as well, so I uh, appreciated his word. It was a good word for us. Let's hear what Isaiah says here um, in this second part of his book, really. Uh, when you get, you know, they didn't mention it just a little moment ago, but another little tidbit that's interesting about the Bible, you've got 39 books in the Old Testament, right? 27 in the New to make 66. Well, Isaiah is really split in the same way that the Bible is. In other words, when you get to chapter 39 and it move to 40, everything changes from the terminology to the direction to now you're talking into the future He's actually not talking to his own generation, but instead to future generations. And he's particularly talking about the Messiah. So if you think about it, the last 27 chapters in Isaiah actually are like a New Testament, which is why the book of Isaiah itself, which has, by the way, 66 chapters, is called the miniature Bible, or the little Bible, because he ultimately has the major themes of all of the Bible encapsulated right here in these words. And so we're going to sort of pick up in that messianic part, in that second part. Notice here 44 and verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let Him proclaim it. Let Him declare and set it before Me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are My witnesses. Is there a God besides Me? There is no rock. I know not any. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. And oh, how we need Your Word. Not a human word. We need to hear from You. I need to hear from You even this morning. So Lord, would You speak in only the way that You can? In the beauty of Your Spirit? And when we're done... Hearing from you and responding, Lord, we'll give you the thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to keep things real basic this morning, real simple. (laughs) Uh, It's funny sometimes the position you're put in uh, to talk about God. It's almost comical to think that we could talk about God in a way that would inspire other people and yet we're called to do that. Paul calls it even foolishness. The foolishness of preaching. People come to know Christ. Uh, It's kind of like Dennis Kinlaw says of his preaching. He said he read, opened a newspaper back in the day and it said, the greatest story ever told, told poorly. And he said, hey, that sounds a lot like my preaching. Um, and, And oftentimes when you leave a sermon you know there is so much more to be said and you know so many things to be clarified and, and you, you feel like you never do a good job you never do justice to god of all people to jesus our savior and I, you know i think isaiah is sort of getting at this here in this text who is like the lord who you know, let them stand up basically? If if there's anybody else out there, and he's like, there's nobody besides me. Now you know this is this is so fundamental on so many levels because, as you know, their context is not monotheistic. It, it's ho hum for us to think of one God, but it's not for them. Uh, in their context, everybody believed in multiple gods and goddesses, and so to hear Isaiah. Proclaim through the Spirit that there's no God besides me is, is a radical claim, really. But that's not the claim that Jesus has brought me to you this morning, today, to talk about. You know, I've had one message in my head that has been, been there the whole time, and it's a simple one, and that is, just tell them about me. That's what I've heard. Just tell them about me. Um, now... <laughs> That that's a, that. That sounds easy. You say, "Oh well, man, you, you know, you're. I mean, you went to seminary. You're, you're seminary trained. You, you talk about God weekly on an academic level. You know, you've been walking with Jesus practically your whole life. Been in church every Sunday, somewhere worshiping in some form or fashion. Even if we're on vacation and wasn't around a church, we did it in the van. You know, I mean, we were with the pastor after all, right? And so, as a preacher's kid, you know, you say this, this should be ho hum to talk about Jesus, but You know, the more I know Jesus, the more difficult it becomes to talk about him because of how great he actually is. You ever noticed how it's real easy to talk about people that you don't really know? You know what I mean? It's like that person in the grocery store, you're like, what a nincompoot, man. Look at that guy. Look at that girl. I mean, look how they're handling their kids. I mean, they have no idea how to parent. We haven't even been around them 30 seconds and we're throwing them under the bus. We act like we've known them all our life. We're making such large claims over their life that, that you'd think we were, you know, all omniscient. That we knew it all. But we don't. It's easy to talk about people that we don't know very well. We say of them, oh yeah, you know, they have no idea what they're doing. And, and yet, the people we ever notice that we do know very well, we always nuance things. You know, your loved one that you're in love with or your family member could be doing the same dumb thing that that other person's doing. But you say, well, you know, they had a rough day. You don't really know their past. You don't really know their context. We nuance it, don't we? And the more you get to know someone, the more nuances there are. Because people are fascinating, aren't they? That's why sometimes we just kind of watch people. I've noticed that everybody enjoys a good watching of people every now and then. You say, oh, people are fascinating. It's like to watch them. Watch how they react. Watch how they act. We're interested in that because we're interesting. And you know, it's the same way with my wife Jessica. You know, I've known her. We've been married for 11 years and we've been, we've been knowing each other for 12 years. And you know, if you were just to drop all of a sudden and say, tell me about Jessica. I mean, it's going to take me back for a second. I mean, how could a couple words describe this woman? How could, how could 20 sentences ever really capture who she is? It's not going to be good enough, is it? And so it's almost like the Lord has said, all right, well, you know, you're not going to capture me in a 30-minute segment of a message. So you're going to actually have to keep talking about me for the rest of your life. You're going to have to live it out for the rest of your life. You're going to have to make your life like mine because not everybody likes a good lecture or likes a good sermon. Most people actually are going to forget everything you said about me, but they won't forget the way that you live. You are my witnesses, he says. There is no rock I know of, I know not of any. In other words, there's only one rock. And that's Jesus. But who is Jesus? Isn't that the most important question we could ever ask? I mean, is there really a more important question? I mean, if you understand who Jesus is, you'll know that He's the one who created mathematics. He's the one who created philosophy. He likes wisdom. He is wise. He's the one who created us. He created everything. You know, we uh, talk about, and here he even says here uh, in verse 6, "Is I am the first and I am the last. You know, in order to have an end, you've got to have a beginning. That sounds pretty basic, doesn't it? And yet, every single book you've ever read has a beginning and it has an end. Every movie you've ever watched, every sitcom or television show operates exactly how the Bible operates. Which, by the way, is not the way the ancient world would have thought about things. A beginning and an end, that's not the way Hindus think about it, trust me. It's a cycle that never ends. There is no end. There is no beginning. Things are just the way they are and they will always be. You see, we take for granted the Christian worldview that has been given to us. But it's all based here in the Bible and it is a radical claim on our lives. Now, we're returning to our pagan roots in America and around the world. Um, you, you begin to see this as people talk about the stars and about nature. I'll never forget, I don't have the transcript before me, but I was, I was watching the Science Channel, okay? Okay? I never watched the science channel. I don't even know why it was on. I I don't really watch TV. And I was watching. I was flipping through. And I found the science channel. And it said something about supernovas and how they die. I mean, who wouldn't watch watch a show about supernovas? That's not just a car, you know. That's actually when a a, um, star blows up. Now, who wouldn't want to watch that? I mean, I like to watch things blow up on action movies and stuff. I mean, a star blowing up? That's huge, right? And so I'm watching this show about stars blowing up and dying, because that's what they do when they die. And and so it's on the Science Channel, right? And they've got all these astrophysicists on there, and they're talking, you know. And uh, one of them gets on there and he says, Look, you know, the Bible says uh, dust to dust. I say stardust to stardust. And here's why. is because out of dead stars come all the building blocks of our lives. I'm like, okay, all right. I've heard this sort of thing before and, you know, nothing new here. And then he goes and then another lady comes on there, another astrophysicist at some big university, and she says, you know, we look up at the stars and we are in awe. But we think that they're real distant from us. But she said, really, really they're not. They're connected to us because they are our parents. I pushed the pause button on the DVR and was very thankful I had DVR, rewound it, and started transcripting for my students in world religions because this is right along the lines of paganism, uh, right along the lines of nature worship. And, and then another person popped on there and said, you know, they are the ones who made us. Now by they, they mean The stars. Who are our parents? They literally said, parents, we're talking on the science channel. Now, is that science to you? To personalize the stars? To give them names and creative powers? That you are stardust? Well, the Bible has something else to offer, and that is, in the beginning, God. That's the way the Bible begins. It's not getting into an argument of what happens after that, just in the beginning, God. He is in the beginning. He is the beginning, is what we're told later in the Bible, that Jesus is the beginning. Hang on, whoa, whoa, Jesus? How is He in the beginning? Because He is God. That's who He is. You say, who is Jesus? He is God. And even before He took on human flesh... He existed. There never was a time when the Son did not exist. And yet, in time and at a particular moment, in a particular woman, Mary, He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Which means His earthly life, His human life begins at no other point than conception. Which is why the Christian position has always been that conception is the beginning of human life. doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand it, but that's straight Bible. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's where his human life begins. But even before that, he was in the beginning. And here's what Paul says that's fascinating. Paul says, everything was created through him and by Him, and for Him. Now those are some powerful prepositions, right? Everything was created for Him. In other words, He already knew what was going to happen. And He chose to go along with it anyway. Even if it cost Him. You know, one thing I uh, have been fascinated with in life is is um, having kids, you know, and uh, we do that quite often, so it is a fascinating thing. Um, one of the things about kids is they want to actually help you do things. Now, <clears throat> if you know anything about children, they're not good at helping, all right? Now, I'm not trying to just be mean, I'm trying to be for real, uh, you know, if if you if you tell them, hey, I just fixed mom a nice plate of spaghetti. Why don't you go take it to her? That might not work out so well for you, right? I'll never forget in my own life, um, Justin and I used to fight over food. Uh, that's probably why we're larger than our parents uh, on, on both scales of wider and taller. Um, but we used to fight over food and, and I can wait for the day when my kids do that but uh, he and I would try to you know go get our spaghetti and eat it up as quick as we could so we could go get seconds right and I mean we were in a hurry but we were it was like clockwork you know we're just eyeing the other person like okay he's only got a little bit more we got to position ourselves to get some more spaghetti I mean it was serious serious business well mother cooks this big thing of spaghetti and Justin's in front of me in line right so he's loading it up you know as much as you can get on there right and I mean you know I was going to do the same thing and so that's why Papa's so little, you know. Uh, he, never, he always went last. Um, and so he gets his plate, and I mean, he's in such a rush that he strikes out to the table, right? Well, if you know anything about spaghetti, it's sitting on noodles. Noodles are very slippery, right? So when he goes to go to the table, his spaghetti's floating in the air, lapidating for just a moment. And I'm just, it's all in slow mo- You know how those moments are in slow motion? I'm watching in slow motion this entire beautiful plate of spaghetti just all of a sudden go down and he's over here and it's over there and it just splatters everywhere. It's a waste. It's a waste. And you know, children, they tend to waste a lot. They waste a lot. You can fish them a plate and they won't eat it. They drop, I mean, I think Jackson purposely tries to like get food on his back somehow. Because <laughs> every time he eats, there ends up being food in the oddest of places. I mean, kids are just messy. You know, they, they, they waste stuff. They break things. My goodness, they can break a steel ball. But you know, we love it. We love it. And it's not always that I love it. But when we reflect back on our life, I can speak for both of us. We love it. And we know that one day we're gonna actually miss those dirty diapers, we're gonna miss those spilled milks, we're gonna miss those stains. Those stains will become for us meaningful scars of our family. Those places on the wall where they busted it, broken it. That's gonna mean something to us one day. You say, what what are you really saying? I'm saying this we are God's children. And He likes us even though we are good at making messes. Even though we waste away a lot of our life on frivolous things. He comes right behind us cleaning up. And He knew it from the very beginning and yet He chose to have us anyway. Just like Jessica and I chose to have children even though we knew where that road would lead. How much money it would cost. How much time and effort and sacrifice was going to be in it. But you know what? It's worth it. What I'm saying is this. God saw that in the beginning it was worth it to have us. And you know what? It's the craziest thing to me. And I don't understand the logic. But this is God's logic. And that is He likes to include us in everything He does. If he could, he would share his own divinity with us. He wants to make us divine, like him. Doesn't he? We are created in his image. There's an old saying by Athanasius who said, "God became man so that man can become God." You say, "Whoa, that sounds, you know, like we're going to become God." Well, doesn't he call us to be like him? He wants to share everything with a... You know, I, it's hard for me to share sometimes. I mean, if you come talking about, hey man, can I borrow your book? I'm going to probably tell you, yeah, but inside I'm going to be dying. I'll just be honest with you. I, I just... You know, my books are just one thing. I just, It's going to hurt me a lot to just give, see it go. Because I've lost books like that. People, people uh, break the binding. I'm just a nerd about my books, okay? I don't even open the binding on them to break them the way I read them. I don't bend them back and... So, you know, it's going to really, really take a lot for me to to let you, you know, borrow my books or whatever else. And you have things like that in your life that if I were to ask for them, you might do it just because you might like me. But it's going to hurt you. You're going to be like, ah, man, this is tough, bro. Like borrow my truck. I mean, really? You know, and so here's the thing about God, though. He loves to share his stuff. He loves it. He's not like us. He wants to give it all away. He'd give the whole house away. He has given the whole house away, hasn't He? Yes. What has He restricted from us? What will He not give you? You see, the New Testament says this way, ask anything and I'll give it to you. And they say, well, hang on, Marshall. I mean, I've heard that voice, but I mean, that verse, but I mean, I, you know, I, I, don't, I still don't have an Escalade XL. I still don't have a 5,000 square foot house. I'm still in debt. And I've been asking God to get me out of debt for a long time. You know, I would do anything for my children. I really would. I mean, I even give up the last roll. That's big time. For me, I even will let them have second. Like this morning, I'll let them have another biscuit. Another piece of bacon. That's serious business right there. I really, I would, I would take a bullet for them, no doubt. I wouldn't even think about it. I would lay down my life for my kids. It, it, would, it would just be a reaction. I really would. But if one of them came to me and said, hey, I would like to uh, play with your XD40. What's the gun? I'd say no. I'd say no. Why? Because even though I would give them everything, I know what they need. I know what can kill them. I know what would hurt them. If they say, hey, I'd love to go play on the railroad tracks over here after church. I'm going to say no. Not going to happen. We ask for things that we don't need. That will kill us in the end. We can't see it. We think it's the next best thing. But God knows it will be the end of us. You see he's a good father. He will give us anything according to his will. But that's the key. We must be in him asking for things that he can give to us that are going to spur us on to living the kind of life he's called us to. He knows what can make us happy. We don't. We're like a little kid. <laughs> I'll um never forget this and it's been a while since I've told this story. Uh, but one morning when we were in our other house, um, Jessica and I were kind of sleeping in a little late, 7 o'clock. And um, the kids had been up for four hours, you know, of course. And uh, we, uh, we came in there, and we had turned a show on for them. And typically, you know, they'll watch the show. And so I had gotten up, done some things, and then just kind of laid back down and accidentally fell asleep, uh, even outside of the cover there. And, and so we were both snoozing. Well, Jackson comes to the bedside, and he just kind of taps me and he says, uh, Bertie is cutting me with a knife. And, um, and I was, you know, Bertie, if you don't know, is Baylor, who I call Frank. His mother his mother's the only one who used his real name. Uh, he might have a complex one day, just forgive him for that. But... Uh, he said, Birdie is, is cutting me with a knife. And I'm like, you know, just, I'm kind of trying to wake up and I'm like, okay, you know, we got a kitchen, one of those kitchenette sets, you know, whatever, um, with the plastic forks and knives, you know, and that kind of thing. So I'm like, okay, all right, all right, buddy, okay. And I think, hey, hey, whoa, we don't have any girls. We don't have any kitchenette set. We got some tools, but we don't have a kitchenette set. We need a knife. So I jump up, I go in the living room, and here's Frank, and he's got two. Uh, stainless steel paring knives in his hands with his passy watching uh, Goofy and Mickey Mouse he just stand there and so I come in the living room I'm like I mean what do you do at this point I mean because if you know anything about children again if you approach say, hey give that to me what's he going to do this is mine he's going to cut himself if I just say okay guys you just keep playing i got to go back to bed Uh, Somebody's going to get really hurt. So what do you do? Well, I approached him. I said, hey, baby, uh, listen, give those to daddy, okay? Just give those to daddy. And I reached out with my hands and just slowly approached him. I said, hey, give those to daddy, baby. Thank you. And then I took them from him. And I'll never forget how once I did that and started reflecting, you know, God taught me a powerful lesson, and that was this. Sometimes in life, we think we've really found something, like Baylor did. I mean, somehow he had gotten into the dishwasher, which was locked, by the way. He got in there. He's an innovative guy. And opened it up, got into all the way in the back, which the knives, you know, you put that little uh, lid on them anyway. Somehow he got them out, both of them. I mean, I'm sure he thought, man, this is awesome. I've got some really neat, shiny toys here I've never seen before. And he was probably really proud of that. And now here's dad coming, you know, hey, give those to me. But see, I knew that they would kill him or kill his brother or hurt someone, hurt himself. And so I asked for those. You know, Jesus asked sometimes some things from us. And he says, sweetie, give me the knife. Give it to me. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt other people. And we think we found something nice, so we want to cling to that. We want to pull it back. Say, this is mine. No, no, no. Open hands. So we averted disaster because he trusted his dad. Even at that young age, he actually trusted his dad. Do we trust our father when he says, give me that? Some things are tough to give. Not everything's going to be easy to give up. But let me tell you something. When we do, He's going to replace it with so much more. Amen. I'll never forget it being one of the darkest places in my life. It was in a, it was in a breakup uh, where I, my heart was broken and, and just crushed. And I was disassembled. It's the best way I can put it. I mean, I didn't even want to live. Um, And I thought that that nothing could ever be better than what it was until I met Jessica. And she's more than I could ever deserve or want. And without getting all sappy and stuff, God gave me someone who I needed. Not the other person was bad and evil and this sort of thing. It was that I thought I knew the way and I thought I had heard from God. It was me. Sometimes we think we're hearing from God and it's us. It's just us. We need to live a life that trusts the Father because He created us and He knows us. He knows what we need. And when we ask in His will, abiding in Him, He'll give us whatever we need. That means if you're struggling with sin this morning, He can heal that. He can overcome that. I know that to be the reality. I've seen it in my life and others. And let me tell you this too. In our small groups, we're already hearing how God is working in people's lives to deliver them from sin, to deliver them from their self. We were not created for ourselves, but for others when we turn inward and become a recluse and draw up and, and, and close up, this is not the way God has created us. You say, where is Jesus? Jesus is in heaven, yes, but He's also in His church. I've already heard this week testimonies, this past week, testimonies of how God has been at work in people's lives. Jesus literally working in the lives of men and women. He's actually doing stuff to our hearts to change who we are. To forgive us and to then heal us. You say, where is Jesus? He's right here in His church at work. That's where He is. And you know, we talked about if, you gotta have, if you're going to have an end, you have to have a beginning. You also have to have a middle. Every great story's got this middle part. Sometimes the middle part's a little boring. Sometimes it's just sort of humdrum. Other times it's, you hit a mountain peak. Other times you're in the valley. There's, there's this thing of uh, you know, the protagonist and the antagonist. You have the enemy and you have the good guy. And you know, you've experienced that in your own life. We all go through this journey of life. And this is the way God has created things. All of our movies reflect it. All of our books follow the story of the Bible. Beginning, middle, and end. There's no other way to write a story. That's because everything ultimately is connected to His story. He's the one riding this thing anyway, not us. And when we jump on board, He's going to carry us to places we never even dreamed of. He's going to give us joy that cannot be conjured up by ourselves. It's a joy unspeakable. I mean, it's the kind of joy that sometimes I just, I look at my family. I'll never forget, and I shared this with you months ago, looking at Jessica and the boys, they walked across a field. And I was just overwhelmed with joy as I looked at who God had entrusted to me. Now again, I'm that kid that's over there banging, you know, trying to help his dad work on something. And he's breaking the car. I'm that guy. And God's like, I want you in charge of these people. They're your responsibility. That's what he's done to all of us. We all have people that we are responsible for. That are in our circle of influence. That's what we're to be about. Others. It's what Friend Day is about. Others. It's what this church is about. Others. I mean, you've already seen this morning. These guys up here, they have sacrificed so much to just sing four songs to lift God's name high. Other people helped set up this morning. Other people have prayed for you specifically. Other people have set mission opportunities in front of you. There is a working together in this church and it is something to behold. Why? Not because just of the people that are doing it, although they are amazing. It's because of the Spirit at work in their lives. God is doing something in our midst. You must not miss out on this. Only he can do it. I can't do it. I don't even know what I'm doing this morning to be honest with you. I mean, I've got notes up here, but I it's I have no I had no idea stepping up here what really I was going to share. And that's why God just said, "I want you to tell him about me." And here's what he wants you to know is that he's the king. He's the true pastor. He's your good Father. He's the brother that you need to come alongside of you. He's the Spirit in you, empowering you. He has called each of you. He's commissioned you. He loves you more than you can imagine. And He wants you to experience that love over your entire lifetime. He's calling some of you men to stand up and be the man of God He's called you to be. Be the husband that you know you should be and that you can be only in Christ. He's calling you ladies to be motherly, not just to your own biological children. Do you know that the most famous mother in the 20th century never even had biological children And yet you see her picture. I don't even have to say her name. And we can say Mother Teresa. Reaching out to countless children. Mothering people all over the world. And never having a child of her own. Never having sex in all of her life. And yet a mother. Paul. Who apparently was not married. Lived a single life and say to the Thessalonians, I was like a father to you when I was among you. Who are you fathering in your life? Not just biologically, but spiritually. Someone needs you to step up. Someone needs you to encourage them. Look, I can't tell you the times where someone has spoken a timely word, a text message, an email, a spoken word. Even you right here in this place have done that and I needed that in my life. Some of you are to me a motherly figure, a fatherly figure in Christ. I need that. We all need spiritual mothers and fathers in the faith and we all need brothers and sisters in the faith. This is a family. This is the family of God. That's what he's calling you to. He said, what I need to do? That right there. Be that. You know, Joshua, at the end of Joshua, he gathers his family up. He's an old man. He gathers his whole family up and he says, look, for me and my house, we're going to choose to serve God. Is that what you've chosen in your life? It's never too late. You cannot say it's too late. There have been people on the battlefield just like the person on the cross who cries out to Jesus. And Jesus says, you'll see me in paradise even today. All He does is cry. Does He say a sinner's prayer? He says, remember me, Lord. It's the prayer from the heart that matters. You know, let's reduce this all down. What is all this about? What is all the tables about? The singing, the preaching, the positions, the the leadership, the chairs. What is this whole thing about? It's about Jesus. Plain and simple. If it's not about Him, we are missing the mark. Which, by the way, that's what sin is, is missing the mark. Sin can come in all sorts of things. You can be sitting there, no outward sins, but in here, dead as a door now. In here, as wicked as they come. In here, thoughts that we listed out in the reading this morning. Including avarice, <laughs> Greediness. Just like Frank if he had been greedy. Closing his hands. My Frank, by the way. We always joke with Frank uh, when he says, Let me be frank with you. Oh, you are Frank, it's okay. Um, we always joke in small group about <laughs> that. Um, you know, here's the thing this morning. Jesus wants me to tell you about Him, but, but here's what I've come to know. And it's kind of comical when I think about it. Here's what I know about about Jesus, and that is, ultimately, even if I'm to tell you about Him, you still can't know Him until you talk to Him. Amen. It's sort of like one of those things, you know, when you're trying to meet somebody, and you're trying to get the down low on them you know you're like hey now, now tell me about this person I'm going to be meeting like I you know I want to make sure I'm going to this meeting you know understanding who they are and the person's trying to tell you you're like yeah okay, okay okay until you actually talk to them yourself you don't really know them. you don't really know them. I had to go talk to Jessica if I was to ever get to know her if you're ever going to get to know me you got to talk to me can't okay, just sit over there and think things about me or talk to other people about me instead you've got to actually talk to me that's what Jesus is saying this morning have you actually talked to him he wants you to talk to him I can tell you till I'm blue in the face who he is, what he means to me, what he's done you've heard it before you have enough information act on that that's what the message was last week it can't just be here it's got to be here it's got to be a love for God. What if what if we fell in love with Jesus? I mean, just had a burning love for God. It's going to look different in each of our lives, which is awesome. I love that. He's made, he loves diversity. But he wants us to love him with all of our heart. Isn't that the greatest command? Love the Lord your God. With all of your heart. Jesus says eternal life is knowing Jesus. Knowing Him and loving Him. That's what we're called to do. You know, there's... I talked about a beginning, middle, and end. Jesus is all three. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, I'm the A and the Z. I'm the beginning and I am the end. He means in a literal way. He began this whole thing... And guess what? At the end, every single one of us, that's our end. We're going to meet. Everybody that has ever lived, everybody that you ever will see is going to meet Jesus. he You see, the end is unseen to us. It's unknown because it's a person. The end is not some destination. It's a person, Jesus. Everybody's end will come into the same place And that's Jesus. You will stand before Jesus. And if you don't know Him, He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. If you do know Him, He'll say, welcome in my good and faithful servant. Do you have that kind of faith? Does your life prove your faithfulness to Jesus? If not, it can you don't have to delay. You do not have to continue in your disobedience. Message real basic this morning. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him, His love for you. You know when I think about again, He's called us all to be that kid who's out there helping dad and not really helping him at all. And he come in and his mom says, "Hey, what you been doing, buddy? Fixing alternator. Did you fix it? Oh yeah. And we were just over there banging on the wheel." That's the way I feel a lot of times doing, doing my job He's called me to do as pastor. I feel like I'm just kind of banging on the wheel sometimes, hoping for the best. Because the Father is the one doing the real work. I can't do the real work. I can point you all day long. I can try to point as clear as possible. I can craft words as clear as possible and try to clear the bushes so you can see Him. But you must go to Him. That's where, that's where it's going to happen is if you go to Jesus. So will you go to Him today? Don't delay this place is a this altar is a place where we can actually lay our bodies before Him. It's not enough just to say, Oh yeah, yeah, I believe that and keep holding the knives. Give it up. Release them. And when you do, He's going to fill your life with the Holy Spirit. And my mama, my, my, wait till you know that person of the Holy Trinity. He has so much that he can give to you you'll feel like you're going to explode sometimes. Do you want that kind of joy, that kind of love, that kind of peace, that kind of power in God? Go to Him today. Open your hands to Him. Your heart to Him. And He will fill it with love. He'll fill you with Himself. Amen.